Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. Just uh, earlier this week, and I was sharing with my beautiful sister here, Mrs. Woods, I was sharing with her that I had the privilege of going to Los Angeles, California to hang out with my dad to see his masterpiece of a uh, body of work called Lackawanna Blues. And uh, so anxious and excited, I booked my plane ticket. I was uh, flying, flying on my way to L.A. I had a nonstop flight, and uh, flying back, I did not have a nonstop flight. I don't know how I missed this. Uh, yeah, apparently some of y'all follow me on social media. And so I don't know how I missed this, but apparently I booked a flight back that had not one, not two, but three stops. Yeah, Ms. Woods. Uh, it, it, it was so crazy that, watch this, that when the flight attendant got on the plane, she says, this plane will be going from here to Phoenix, from Phoenix to Salt Lake City, Utah, and from this point to Dallas, and then finally at Atlanta. But I'm sure nobody on the plane is doing that. And I said, and just like y'all laughed, everybody on the plane laughed. One lady walked around, like, like as they were deplaning when we got to Phoenix, one lady turned around and said, are you the one that's going all the way to Atlanta? God bless you. I said, he has. <laughs> he certainly has blessed me. I was frustrated. I was mad. I was like, how in the H-E double hockey sticks did I do this? And I literally said H-E double. I didn't say the words. Joan, I don't want y'all to be judging me. Online, don't judge me. And so, literally, I'm sitting here like, how did I miss that, Martel? How in the world did I book a flight with three stops? Who does that? Then I realized that maybe it's something bigger to this. I accepted it. And so, when we got to Phoenix, which is our first stop, they switched crews. Pilot gets on the plane. Literally, it was like, I heard that there's a person on the plane. <laughs> I was like, is this a, like, am I being punked? Is this real? There's a person on the plane that's going all the way to Atlanta. And I was like, yeah, that, that, that's me. And so he's like, hey, man, you know, you are going, you know, it's me and you the whole way. I'm flying. And I, and I was like, yeah, the difference is I paid to fly. You're getting paid to fly all the way. So I'm the dummy in this equation, right? So anyway, we finally get to uh, Dallas. Now, I hadn't eaten up to this point. All of these stops, I have, I'm, I'm not hungry. I'm hungry. And my hungry is becoming hangry. Right. At that point, it's just not good for anybody. Right. Anybody. And so I'm like, get me off this plane. When we get to Dallas, I need to eat and I need to potty bad. Right. So I get off the plane and the pilot sees me, He says, hey, 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 man, I thought 
that you were going all the way to Atlanta. I said, I am, man, but I really have to use the restroom and I'm hungry. And so he's done this all the time. This is his job. He's like, yo, the restrooms are here. Uh, the food is here or there. What kind of food you want? I said, yo, he said, there's barbecue there. There's Chick-fil-A. I said, I'll take Chick-fil-A because Chick-fil-A is of God. So I was like, I'll do that. That's perfect. This is a holy moment for me. And so I said, I'll do Chick-fil-A. And he's like, oh, cool, man. What's your favorite thing? And I was like, yeah, I love the number one, man, and blah, 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 blah. So we went through that. Went to the bathroom. He's helped my space in line. I get back. We're talking. Now, at this point in my mind, I'm a generous dude. I was like, I'm going to bless this dude's meal. I'm going to pay for his meal. I even put my hand on my wallet. And as we got closer and we're talking and all of this stuff, I pulled my wallet out, start tapping it on my leg because I got this. I want to show my generosity for bringing me this far on the plane. Before we got up there uh, to the counter, they had, uh, he had already paid for it. It was taken care of. And uh, so we did that, and we ordered drinks, and he asked me what I wanted to drink. I said, I like an Arnold Palmer. He never had an Arnold Palmer, so I converted him easily to the Arnold Palmer. Some of y'all are looking like, yo, what is that? Is that an alcoholic drink? No, it's just tea and lemonade mixed together to create this holy, holy flavor in your mouth. Your taste buds start shouting like they're Pentecostal. It's amazing. And so anyway, <laughs> he's converted to Arnold Palmer's. So we're walking and we're talking, we're talking about piloting, we're talking about this. And he asked me, he says, um, so, wow, you know, what do you do for a living? And then this is, this is my first moment of conviction because part of me was embarrassed to say what I did. I, I, I literally wrestled with myself. Do I say I'm a pastor? Do I say I'm a sex educator? Which that would be true because I do teach to middle school boys. Do I say that I'm a musician? which would also be true because I still play every now and again. Do I say that I'm a motivational speaker, which would also be true because I also do that for a living? Or do I just go ahead and say, you know what, I'm a pastor. Yeah, I'm one of those people that the world doesn't like right now. And I felt so convicted by the Holy Ghost. I just told him to us, I'm a pastor. And he lit up like a Christmas tree. And he says, thank you for remaining true to the higher calling. And then we begin to talk a little bit. And he says, you know what? I've noticed that a lot more people have stopped going to church. They stopped believing in a higher power. His words. They stopped believing in a higher power. And he was grateful that I have. And he said that I remain true to it. And he shared with me. He says, you know what I've noticed is that people in the world have become less patient, more angry, less forgiving. Uh, and there was another one he shared. And less graceful. And I said, I know. And I said, it's not a coincidence that people will stop going to church and more people are feeling that way. It's not a coincidence that that happens. So we talked and I asked him, I said, man, you know, might have I prayed for you? And he's like, yeah, you can, but at, at your seat. I don't want to draw no attention. And so I did that. I prayed at my seat. And that was a wonderful time. And in that moment, I, you know, when I sat down, I felt so convicted. I was like, God, why am I embarrassed to say that I represent you? I, that's a huge honor to represent you. And I realized that my issue was not the title it's the issue of judgment and in that moment check this out in that moment I felt what Jesus felt he was never ashamed to share the word he just felt the weight of disapproval from others for sharing his truth and that's what that was for me just that judgment that would come and 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 I and I felt that way but in this in this whole time it was confirmation and I'll share another story toward the end of my message here it was confirmation that this particular message is one that needs to be shared. If you all don't mind, will you join me in the book of Luke, chapter 24? And it's going to make sense in a minute. Some of y'all sitting there like, okay, man, when are you going to connect the dots? In a minute. Be patient. 
Luke chapter 24, verse 13 through 35. Luke chapter 24, 13 through 35. And it says this. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. Put your finger on the pause button really quick so I can put this in context. That same day, you're wondering what day that is? That is 2,000 plus years ago today. It was the day that they found the tomb empty. On that same day, here's what is happening. Two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. I'm going to tell you why in just a minute if you just be patient with me. Verse 17, he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things, Jesus said? The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. Pay close, into how, pay close attention to what I'm about to say now. Listen to the past tense. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was, past tense, a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped, past tense, he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Let's put your finger on a pause. Let me preach for half a second here. My message today is about how... Jesus has been resurrected. The tomb was indeed found empty. Many of us in this place at one day in our life, when the pastor said, hey, who wants to give your life to Christ? Many of us have raised our hands and accepted Christ in our life. Some even baptized. But guess what? All of a sudden, life happened and you're like, Jesus, where are you? Jesus, you used to respond to me in prayer. Jesus, I used to call on your name and you were there. Jesus, where are you? Many people I know today in this broken world that we live in pray fervently, pray hard, go through challenges, and all of a sudden they say, Jesus is not listening to me anymore. Jesus, where are you? And Jesus, just like these guys, is right there. The same way he performed miracles in the past, he can perform miracles today. I think that for many people, our perception of where Jesus is has a lot to do with our perception of who we think he is. I think oftentimes that, that with a lot of us, watch this, our issue is not a lack of God's presence. It's a deficiency in our perspective. It's not that he's not there. It's just that we don't see him the way we used to see him. And the thing is because we're trying to do things that we used to do to see him. How he met us when he first met us may not be the same way he'll meet us again. Uh, he's still able to perform miracles, but it may happen in a different way. 
Uh, He may respond to your prayers in a different way. Sometimes, watch this, he may respond out of your deepest pain. You may be praying over something. You may be praying. You may be going through a season of drought. You may be going through a season of agony, and you're saying, Jesus, where are you? And he's like, I'm here, but you're not listening. I've been answering your prayers, but you're ignoring my signs. I've been answering your prayers, but you're refusing to respond. I I know it's painful, but there's a lesson in your pain. And if you've been with me for the past two weeks, I told you sometimes pain is your best teacher. And the way another pastor friend of mine said it, sometimes pain is your best pastor. Better than even me standing here sharing this word. And so, and so here it is. He's going through these challenges, and uh, many of us are going through these challenges. And here it is. These guys are just like a lot of us. We're walking with Jesus, and Jesus is walking with us. But we can't see him because we're stuck on what has happened in the past. Let's read a little bit further. 22. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing. And they had seen angels who told them, told them Jesus is alive. Put your finger on the pause button. Isn't that kind of crazy? What did he just say? Check this out. This is what he said. Check out what he said. He said they, they were speaking in the past tense about Jesus who used to perform miracles. Jesus that used to do this. Jesus who was a prophet. They've given up on him. And this is what they said. We thought and hoped that he was the Messiah. Now they switch the tune again. Here they go. They say, An amazing report. That's good news. So why are you still looking in the past? Why are you so conflicted in your belief right now? Why why are you flip-flopping? I'm going to help you make sense of this in just a second. Stay with me now. It says, so so they they, they say uh, his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, His body was gone, just as the women said. Let's go back to the very first thing I said. Two of Jesus' followers, okay? Two people who've heard Jesus say to them through Scripture, I must die so that I can return three days later. I shared that with you just last week. I must die, but don't worry. I'll be back in three days. Meet me over in Jerusalem. This is what he says to them. I'm going to meet you, uh, meet me over, uh, 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 meet me over in Galilee is what he said. He says this, these things have to happen. These are followers who heard him say that, but here they are still doubting him. He said, I'm going to come back. The tomb is empty. Someone says he's alive and these guys still have not embraced that yet. Many of us are the same way. Resurrection Sunday, we're looking good. Y'all, and I'm going to tell you, y'all looking, y'all are looking amazing. If I had my, my camera, I would just take pictures of y'all. Y'all look amazing. You're looking good. You're feeling good. We're here. We're celebrating. And, and the thing is, many of us are just like these guys. Jesus is walking with us, and we miss it. We're still missing it. We're still doubting him. We're here on Easter Sunday. Are we here out of tradition, or are we here out of expectation? <laughs> Are we here out of tradition or am I really expecting to encounter Jesus today? Am I really expecting, is he really sitting right here beside me? Or is this just a very historical event that we celebrate once a year and get to dress up and get chocolate bunnies and Easter eggs and all of this stuff? 
I'm challenging you here. I'm challenging you, not judging. I'm challenging here. Let's go on just a little bit further, and then I'm going to put it all together. And then we'll say amen and have a good time. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people. Let me read it the way I want it, the way I hear it in my spirit. Then Jesus said to us, you foolish people, you find it hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it really wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things? Check out what he says. Wasn't it clearly? There's no gray area. It was clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all of these things before entering into his glory. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Pause. He's given us a model to follow when we start to doubt his presence in our lives. Pause. He's given us something. He's saying, listen, listen, listen. When you don't think I'm present, go ahead and go through the scriptures. And see in there the promises that I've made to you because all of my promises to you are yes and amen. I know right now in this very instance you don't feel my presence, but baby, I ain't left you yet. I know right now you're going through some stuff, but honey, just hold on a little while longer. I know right now it don't look like you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Hold on a little while longer because James tells us that if we hold on a little while longer, our faith is built up and our endurance is strengthened. But sometimes we got to go back to this. It's there. It's not. From the man with the mic in his hand. No, it's from the book that's been ordained and authorized long ago. And Jesus says here, the Bible says that Jesus had to take them through scriptures and remind them of everything he already said. He had to take them through scripture and say, remember when I told you that it would be prophesied that these things would happen? Remember that? Yeah, we're at that moment now. Uh, remember also when I told you that, 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 that I would never leave or forsake you? Well, guess what? I'm here right now. They still don't get it. Like some of us in this room still don't get it. You're waiting for a point. I've already preached the point. You just missed it. By this time, they were in, this is verse 28. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. It's not just the end of their journey. You'll see that this is the end of their journey with Jesus, not the end of their destination journey, but the end of their journey with Jesus. Jesus fulfills his thing. Check this out. Jesus acted. (laughs) I love that part. He acted as if he were going on. Pause. Can you imagine this? They're walking and Jesus like, all right, y'all, I got to go. I got nowhere to go, though. I'm hungry. It's late. Are you going to invite me in? Right? Bible says he acted like he was going. In other words, you got to understand the Bible and how they write. He acted. In other words, he was waiting. He was trying to draw an invitation out of them so that why? He could be with them. He's trying to, I want you to draw this invitation. And guess what he's doing? He's doing the same thing to you. When you think he's not there, he's trying to draw the invitation to commune with him. When you think he's not responding, he's trying to draw the invitation to commune with him. When you think he's not listening, he's trying to draw the invitation to commune with him. But guess what you're doing? You ain't inviting him in. I'm going to preach all by myself this morning. Ah! 
He's trying to draw the invitation in the same way. He's acting like he ain't paying attention because he wants you to draw the invitation. He wants you to extend. Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, come sit in my house. Jesus, come sit in my mess. Jesus, come help me out. Jesus, come be with me. I need to hear your voice. I need you now like I've never needed you before. I exchange all of me for all of you today. He wants to extend you to extend the invitation. He wants to be with you, but we ain't inviting him in. We're not inviting him in. We're not saying, you're welcome here. Come on in. So finally, they take the bait. Watch, 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 watch out. They take the bait. He said, you fool. They take the bait. They're like, uh, Jesus acted as if he was going away. Then 29 says, but then at this point, watch this. They begged him. They didn't just give an invitation like, please, please, pretty please, stay the night with us since it's getting late. And so he went home with them. And as they sat down to eat, this is why he wanted the invitation. Catch this. Please catch this, y'all. This is why he wanted the invitation. Let me say this. Jesus doesn't try to draw an invitation out of you just to chill with you. He draws the invitation out of you to bless you. But you don't know it until you invite him in. He draws the invitation out because there's something I want to give you, but I'm not going to give it to you unless you let me in. And this is what happens. Check this out. The Bible said early on, God made it where they couldn't see that Jesus was walking with them, right? Watch what happens right here. Maybe two Pentecostals in this room might say amen. Watch this right here. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread, blessed it, then he broke it and gave it to them. Check this out. Woo! And suddenly, their eyes were open, and they recognized him. And at that moment, the journey was over. He disappeared. Ah. Oh. Okay, that was like a Presbyterian amen, but that's cool. That's cool. I'm going to move y'all. I'm going to move y'all a little closer. We're going to go through Baptist. Then we'll get to the Pentecostal. Then we're going to have a shouting moment. Check it out. Y'all don't understand what that, what, that, what that moment was significantly. Check this out. He took the bread. He broke it. And he blessed it. And you know what the Bible is saying here? This is the symbol of communion. Okay. I'm going to get you there. Here it is. Here it comes. Communion. Let's break it down to the most finite point of understanding the definition of it in, in, its, in its smallest understanding. Communion. Commune. Commune. Togetherness. Oneness. All things in common. To come together in fellowship, common belief, right? In the same environment. Extend the invitation. Breaks the bread. Their eyes become open. Why? Because he wants to be with you. Communion represents I want to be in relationship with you. I want to be connected with you. I want to be not in your life but a part of your life. And this is what communion is. He broke the bread and suddenly they're like, you must be the Messiah. And he's saying, if you invite me in, I'm going to break the bread ha! so we can be in relationship together. Not so I can be 
in your life, but a part of your life. In other words, the same way your heartbeat is a part of your life is the same way Jesus wants to be a part of your life. The same way the oxygen in your lungs is a part of your life. Jesus says, I want to be a part of your life, not in your life, but a part of your life. The same way you depend on oxygen is the same way you should depend on me. Ooh, I'm preaching better than y'all talking to me this morning. But let me break the bread, extend the invitation so that I may break the bread and bless it and be a part of your life, not just in your life. And for many Christians, Jesus is in our life. Well, what do you mean, pastor? When something ain't going right, I need King Jesus. I don't need nobody else. When everything ain't right in your life, that's when we need Jesus. When we're about to eat our meal, thank you for the food, God. Amen. That's in our life. Not a part of our life. A part of our life. When I wake up in the morning, before my eyes open, good God, thank you so much. Oh, I took a deep breath. Thank you, Lord, for that breath. Open my eyes. Oh, I can see. Thank you, God, for the sight. You're a part of my life. Oh, I get out of bed and I stretch. The bones may crack a little different than they did when I was younger. But God, thank you that I can get out of bed on my own. Then I get up and I walk to the shower. Oh, my goodness, I'm walking on my own. Thank you, God, for allowing me to walk this morning. Then you go into your bathroom and you cut the water on. Oh, my goodness, the water is flowing. Thank you, God, for the water this morning. And then after I turn the water on, I go to my closet and I'm standing there for about 30 minutes trying to figure out what I'm going to wear today because I got options. Thank you, God, for options this morning. I'm preaching better than you're talking to me this morning. Hey. And you get in the shower and you come out and you go downstairs and you cut your coffee pot on. Thank you, God, I got money for coffee. And don't you dare get in your car and it start up. Oh, my goodness, I got gas. Thank you, Lord, for gas. Oh, I can preach this thing all day. I can just rest right here. I can do the benediction right here because it all makes sense. This is what the resurrection uh, signifies here. He died so that we may live, but not apart from him. But in partner with him. He don't want to be in your life. He wants to be a part of your life. The same way you have sight, he wants to be a part of your life. The same way you breathe, he wants to be a part of your life. And we've settled for him just being in our life. And being in our life is convenient for us, but not good for him. He don't want to be your convenience. He died to be your savior. Huh. He died to be your savior, not your convenience. He didn't die to make life better for you. He gave you abundant life. There's a big difference. I don't want to give you a better life. I want to give you abundant life. Meaning that when this world departs, you'll still have life after. Help me somebody this morning. I'm feeling the Holy Ghost on me. And here it is. He's walking with these guys. And they're missing it. And it's up until this point where he had to force an invitation out. They begged for the invitation. He broke the bread and they're finally blessed. And he's saying the same thing to you and I in this church. He says, when will you let me in so I can bless you? You're asking me for that lottery type of blessing. You're asking me for that, man. If I could just make it to tomorrow type of blessing. But if you let me in, I'm going to give you a blessing where all of that stuff will be trivial and small in comparison to what I really want to do for you. Just ask me for the right type of blessing. Let me in. Let me commune with you. 
And I sound like to say this, the church has missed it. And this is what God was showing me in this long three stops I had to make. Was that in this moment I had to come to agreement with my pilot, Dan. And understand that if he feels this way, how many others in this world feel this way? I'm looking now that people are looking for an excuse to hate the church. And this is the season of, let's pick out the pastors. They always want to pick on the pastors. So now there's a site on Instagram. There's a page called Preachers and Sneakers. And it's growing major popularity. And the whole premise of this thing is to, to, to point out pastors who are wearing expensive sneakers. Uh, like, don't wear retro Jordans. You in trouble. You pimping the church for retro Jordans. Come on, man. Like, for real? So they're, 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 they're finding any reason to, to, to scrutinize the church. So they say, if pastors wearing fancy, and, and by the way, I got this from H&M. It was only $19. Because I don't want y'all to start a site pastors with colorful shirts. No, this ain't Fosachi or Versace or Mosachi. It ain't none of that. It's H&M for 1999. Elder Danny was with me. Elder, he's my witness. 1999 plus tax. All right, so don't get, create no site. My whole point is this site's intent is to call judgment on people who just want to look good but never, ever examine their hearts. One of the people that they called out on this site is a dear friend of mine, Pastor Jimmy Rollins up in Maryland. He had on some retro Jordans, the ones, right? Now, retail, when they first came out, they were under $200. So what this guy does on this site is he posts the resale value. Now, if you're a sneakerhead, you all understand how this works. They put out some retros. If you fast enough, you first you have to, uh, you know, you say you want them. They reserve a spot for you to later buy them if there's enough spaces available. Okay, so if you're able to buy them, there's a price you pay for them. That first price is typically under $200. Once everybody's bought a pair of those sneakers, they're no longer available. They don't, they don't produce them again. So you can resell them. And the resale on them sometimes could be three times the amount you paid for them. So what this guy did on this website is take these sneakers and put the resale value on there, like reselling. So those Jordan 1s, if I bought them for under 200 I resell them. I can get about $500 for them. That's the price he put on there and saying, look at these preachers wearing $500 sneakers. Dude, those things are under $200. Quit playing. Some people on there, that's more than my rent. I'm like, where do you live? Some person literally said, hashtag Jesus wore sandals. And I wanted to reply and say, sis, do your history. Everybody wore sandals. Who didn't back then? Nobody was wearing ones. Huh? Everybody wore sandals. So, I mean, literally, this is, they're just looking for stuff to tear down the church. And it breaks my heart. And they called out my buddy on this about doing it. And I'm saying, how dare you call out my friend for wearing, listen, if he wore $2,000 sneakers, I know what he does in his community. He has a mobile unit, a homeless unit that he takes out into the community, picks up homeless people. They go into this unit and they are able to shower in that place and get a haircut all on his dime and get a meal. No, this is not once a year, my friends. It's not even once a month. He does it twice a month on his dime. But all you want to talk about is the sneakers he's wearing. Don't even know anything about the man's heart. 
When they had snowstorms up in Maryland, this man shut the church down. We ain't having service today. We're going to all go out, pick up some homeless people, bring them into this place. Not only are they going to be warm, but we're going to feed them, and they can use our facilities to clean up. But all you want to talk about are his sneakers. How dare you? And you know what made this site more popular? An atheist saw this, posted it. When the man launched the site, it was less than 4,000 followers. When the atheist saw it, it jumped to over 100,000 followers. And every comment on this little Instagram page is negative. That's why I don't go to church. Church is hypocrites. The pastor just wants your money. Listen, I don't want your money. We started this church. My wife and I were getting EBT. Yes, I ain't ashamed to say it. Didn't have any health benefits with four children. I don't want your money. I want to help you. I want to give you something greater than money can buy. And this is the stuff that they're doing, anything they could do to tear down the church. And guess what the church is doing? Nothing. We ain't said nothing. We ain't defending nothing. We ain't sharing nothing. So when I look at this guy that I met, Pilot Dan, and he says people will stop going to church. Well, here's why. Because they don't know that Jesus is right there with them. All they see is pastor asking for money. He must want my money. He don't want your money. He does want to keep the building so that you can have a place to worship. That's the only way that happens. I don't care how handsome I am, I am and how much Billy D I can use with my voice. If I don't, I can't go to Georgia Power talking about, hey, listen, um, I don't got your money this month. But uh, I tell you what, if you just let me kiss you on the cheek, you know, maybe we can work something out. No, they, and Georgia Power look at me like, I'm sorry, man, you owe this amount of money. If you don't pay this amount of money, you're going to be in your church in the dark. No AC in the summertime in Hotlanta. They call it Hotlanta for a reason. You follow what I'm saying? No, that don't work. We got to pay bills. This building don't just exist just to exist. <laughs> I don't want your money, but I do want to have a place where we can come together and learn more about God. I want to have a place where we can come so that we can be sent. Jesus took a collection. Why? Because salvation is free, but ministry is not. Jesus himself. Had a collection. Why? Because ministry is not free. It costs something. So don't you dare sit there and judge. I'm only saying that so y'all can defend pastors. <laughs> Seriously. Because y'all ain't saying nothing. Y'all be like, man, yeah, I wonder if he do. Because I ain't going to lie. Y'all know I got some retros. And y'all bought them. <laughs> no, like for real. Like not your tithing, but y'all, I guess Ed helped y'all and y'all took up a collection and y'all blessed me. I'm grateful for that. But the people, if they see me in those retros, threes, They'll think that I bought them with y'all's money. I can't get on there and say, no, it was a gift. Oh, so you made your church buy you joy? You're no different than the pastor with the snake skins. No, that's not how this works. Some people have a generous gift, right? They have the, 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 the gift of generosity. Anyway, I'm off task here. My whole point is this. They're looking for reasons to tear down the church, and the church is silent about it. And the more silent we are, the louder they are. And the louder they are, a whole generation is moving further and further and further and further and further away from God. All because it started with, I didn't see Jesus right there with me. All I saw was a church full of hypocrites. I was speaking with a brother the other day, and I love this. This made me laugh. He said, I don't go to church because the church is full of hypocrites. I said, man, you go to Walmart? He said, yeah, I go to Walmart every now and again. I said, man, it's full of hypocrites. You should stop shopping there. Not a good place to shop if you don't want to be around hypocrites. No sorry, Bob. 
He's like, man, but that's, that's different. I was like, you're right, you're right, you're right. I was like, yo, man, where you working? He told me where it works. I said, man, you should stop working there. It's full of hypocrites. Nah, but I need my job. You need Jesus too, bro. Nah, you missing the point, man. Man, I said, I said, I said, I said, did you vote this election season? He said, man, I have to. I'm going to use my right. I said, man, you voted for a whole bunch of hypocrites. You live in this country? Yes. You are living in a country full of hypocrites. Leave the earth because the earth is full of hypocrites. You're not going to stop living because you're surrounded around, around hypocrites. So why in the world would you stop going to church because of hypocrites? They're everywhere. But the only way a hypocrite can be fixed is in the church. Can't go to the hospital for a prescription on dealing with hypocrites. There's no surgery that eliminates hypocrites. The only way you can be healed from dealing with hypocrites is in God's house because only God can deal with the hypocrites. How do I know that? Well, I look at the whole bunch of hypocrites that Jesus hung out with. He hung out with Peter who had anger management issues. He hung out with the tax collector who was robbing from his own people. He hung out with Judas who betrayed him. Which leads me to my last and final point. God never intended that Easter be just a day to be remembered, but a day to be experienced. These guys' eyes weren't open until they experienced Christ. It wasn't, it wasn't that they, what they heard, they were still walking around with their heads down on the very day. They heard, yo, it's the third day. Remember Jesus said on the third day he was going to come out of the tomb. We heard that the tomb was actually empty. And they're still talking with this stranger to them at this moment saying, hey, the tomb was empty. But, man, we thought he was the one. Fool, the tomb was empty. He is the one. Jesus, I thought you would be the one to answer my prayers. And Jesus is like, I am the one. That's why you came to me in the first place. But be patient. And open your eyes and ears. And commune with me. The final part of my trip to L.A. culminated on my return trip home. For all my L.A. folk, please don't take this the wrong way. But I noticed that your Uber and Lyft drivers talk a lot. And so when I get in the Uber, I just want to be quiet. So I pretend I ain't going to lie. Forgive me. I already asked. Forgive me and God dealt with this already. Like, I ain't going to lie. I got in the Lyft a couple times and I pretended I was on the phone because I was like, yo, they just so chatty. And I just, I just want to chill and look at the scenery. L.A. is a beautiful place, you know, and there wasn't a lot of smog. It was very beautiful. And I just don't, I don't want to be chatty. I just want to look silently, and you get me to my destination. So I pretended. I ain't going to lie. But I realized that when I got back to Atlanta, I've been flying from L.A. since I left L.A. at 11 a.m. I didn't get back to Atlanta until just before midnight. Three stops. Brother tired. And my first thought was, I hope my Lyft driver appreciates the hour that we're in right now. It's close to midnight. So I'm already working out a plan in my head, watch this, on how I can pretend I'm asleep so I don't have to engage in conversation. Come on, y'all ain't the only one. I get in my car, and there's old Perky. And after this point, it's after midnight. And here's old perky Monica. Hi, how you doing? I was like, oh, Jesus. I look at God. I said, you playing with me now, right? You playing, you, you playing with me now, right? Three hours. I, I'm looking at God like I, I spoke to Pilot Dan, man. My work should be done, bro. Let me sleep, sleep. Till I get to Mableton. 
So we're there, and sure enough, she talks. Oh, you business a pleasure? I'm like, pleasure, da, 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 go back and forth. Finally, there's the dreaded question I hate. What do you do? Urgh. Do I say I'm a sex education teacher? That would be true. Do I say I'm a musician? That would also be true. Do I say I'm a motivational speaker? That would be true. Or do I just say I'm a pastor? I looked at the hour. I was like, ah, I'll say I'm a pastor. What the heck? Let me just go ahead and be honest. It worked with Dan. I said, I'm a pastor. She says, oh, that's cool because I am a Jehovah's Witness minister. And I was like, oh, now I'm up. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be a good ride. This is going to be a great ride. Let us talk, shall we? So tell me, sister minister, what have you been learning lately? Now, if you've been here for the past two weeks, what I'm about to say next, you're gonna, it's going to blow your mind, and you know that this is a God thing. She said, well, lately, we've been studying the character of Judas. <laughs> Notice the people who've been here like, oh, because I revealed to them just how, how much of a hero Judas was versus him being a villain. I should reveal that. I don't have time to preach that. My time is up right now. But, but uh, I, we don't have a podcast. I'll preach it in about five years. I, I, there's a five-year rotation on my sermons, just so you know. <laughs> there's the secret. There's a secret right there, Martel. You know now. <laughs> five-year rotation. It'll be back in five years if you stay long enough. You'll be like, yo, didn't he preach that like five years ago? Yep, I did. I just changed a few things. Anyway. So anyway, we're in the car. We're talking. She's talking about Judas. And she's sharing with me all that she learned about Judas. And what she learned was that Judas was just, you know, he had bad character because he was greedy. Um, he, he betrayed the person who loved him the most. And, and we need to not be like Judas. And I was like, oh, goodness, I don't have time for my rebuttal because we were just turning into my subdivision. I said, ah. I said, okay, let me just, I said, God, give me a seed that I can drop in and maybe she'd do her research. And what turned into a seed actually became a ministry moment. Because at this point, I got my chance to do my rebuttal. And I said, you know what, Monica, let me, let me, let me drop this in your ear. and I'm, I'm going to mess you up. We should all endeavor to be Judas. She was like, huh? I said, it's an honor to be Judas. What? She did the, the Scooby-Doo. <laughs> I said, check this out. I said, you got to understand. I said, you read the Bible because you're a minister, right? She said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, let me ask you this before I go any further. I said, um... Did you choose Jehovah's Witness, meaning like they knocked on your door, they opened up the watchtower, they ministered to you, then you became, you converted to Jehovah's Witness, or were you born into it, meaning it's inherited faith? And she said, uh, inherited faith. I never heard the word, but yeah, it's inherited faith. I said, okay, cool. I can approach that differently than somebody who was converted. It's a different approach. I said, cool. I said, check this out. So you read the Bible, you grew up with it, you understand it. I said, if you understand the Bible, Jesus says several times he chose his disciples. Meaning when he chose them, he knew what they brought to the table. Look at when he chose Peter. Peter was fishing. He was good at fishing, clearly. He was like, man, you're so good at this. Put down your pole. Let me show you how to fish for men. You're so good at fishing for fish. Let me show you how to fish for men. Drop that down and follow me instantly. He did that. Tax collector. Oh, man, you good at, you have influence in the community. Let me show you how to use that for good. He knew who, everybody Jesus picked out, they served a purpose. He knew their purpose. He picked Judas, not because Judas had a reputation of being a betrayer, but he knew that Judas would be the most vulnerable to betray him. That's why he picked him. He, that's an honor to be chosen by Jesus, in case you didn't know that. It's an honor. And had Judas not done the biggest honor in handing him over and betraying him, guess what? We wouldn't be here today celebrating an empty tomb. 
right? Just in that moment, I hope you begin to look at Judas in a different sight. He had to do it. Jesus chose him. We're grateful that he did. Thank you, Judas. We should all endeavor to be chosen by him. So I dropped that on her, and she's like, oh, I never thought about that. And we began to talk, and then, you know, just from a position of love. And I said, yeah, you know, I, I love speaking with Jehovah's Witnesses, just like I love speaking with Muslims and the black Hebrew Israelites. I love engaging in these conversations. I shared my testimony with her, blah, 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 blah. I went further and further, and then I said, you know what? You know, and Jesus loves us all. He don't care about where you've been or what you thought you knew. He loves us all regardless of our ignorance. And so he, all he wants is us to love each other. And the only way that he can have the most intimate level of love with you is to be in a relationship. And even right where you are right now, Monica, you can accept Jesus in your heart and begin that relationship. And I ain't going to lie, in the back of my mind, I was like, it's now like 12, 35, 36, somewhere like that. A part of me was like, Okay, maybe she'll say no, and that's okay. I've planted my seed. I've done my job. I'm good if she says no to receiving Christ. I'll go, and I can go night-night. And sister girl said, yeah, I want to do that prayer. And I was like, yes, but I'm tired, but yes, okay, cool. We did the prayer of salvation. She accepted Christ right in there. I've been looking all over this room to see if I see her, but she's not here right now. She accepted Christ. So those three stops. Had I changed my flight, I would have not met Dan. Had I changed my fight, I would not have met Monica. And I don't know what, what the future holds for Monica. She may have gone to her teachers and they, 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 they gave her some other rhetoric that's not true and she fallen back into that rhetoric and whatever, okay. But the bottom line is I didn't judge her or condemn her. And for the Christian today, we take a posture of condemnation instead of a posture of love. We're very quick to judge somebody or condemn somebody. For how they dress and what they look like or watch this or even what they believe. But we never extend love. Oh, you gay? No, no, no. <laughs> no, you can't. You, gotta, you can't be at the church. Oh, 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 you, 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 you Republican? You a Democrat? No, no, no. You shouldn't vote that way. You got Muslims next door? Man, you need to be rebuking them. Why? I think, I think Jesus will want me to love every single one of those people I just mentioned. I believe that my Lord and Savior died on a cross, the Bible says, for all of us while we were yet, while we were yet, while we were yet a mess, we were yet sinners, we didn't believe, we betrayed him and he still loved us. So what makes us any different than the homosexual, than the trans person, than the Republican or the Democrat or the Muslim or the Jew or whatever? We are all the same. He just wants us to love. And this part is going to mess you up. He doesn't want us to even convert. It's not our job. Conversion happens through transformation. Transformation only happens through the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want us to convert. Because guess what? When we try to convert, we convert from a position of bias. When we try to convert, we convert from a position of bias. All we're doing is just trying to tell why you should believe what I believe. This is why this is the best thing since sliced bread. And all you're doing, and you're not listening. He just says love. Let him do the work. That's why in that moment when I was with Sister Monica, I was okay with planting that seed and getting out of my car because I can't do nothing more than that. Let me show you how true this is. You know, the disciples and the apostles and all of those had the power to perform miracles, had the power to do all things that Christ did, the only thing they could never do was transform the hearts of people. And y'all sitting here like, no, that's not true. Because remember when Peter preached, on that very day he preached, the Bible says thousands, 
thousands, catch that, thousands became followers. But what happened before that? The Holy Ghost fell on them. Peter wasn't able to do that before that moment. Peter wasn't able to preach one sermon to convert those people. It was the power of the Holy Ghost that caused transformation. Why? Because you and I don't have that authority or power to do it. All we can do is plant seeds. And guess why he took that power away from us? Because we would want to take credit for it. He we would take credit. Man, look how many men I've brought, man. Look, listen, since I've been in ministry, I've discipled, uh, I discipled like, like 300 people. I done baptized 20,000 people. I've done done this. I've done done that. Look at all the credit you've taken. When your answer should be, since I've been a follower of Christ, I've shared the gospel with so many people. I don't know how many accepted this word, this transformative word, but I'm grateful for the privilege that I was able to share it. Somebody, a Christian, and I'm going to pray this right here, had the audacity to ask me one day, how many, a pastor, hey, what's your discipleship count? I was like, first of all, that sounds weird as heck, dude. What do you mean? Like, am I walking around with a clicker? Hey, man. Would you like to take this prayer of salvation? Yes. Click. That's one. You want the prayer of salvation, sis? Yep. Click. That's two. Then I get it home at the end of the night. I got a tracker to put them in. Like, okay, there was one at Publix. There was one at the gas station. There was one in the library. That's three. I forgot their names, but I, I introduced them to Christ. That's not what he's asking us to do. So I don't take count. So my first point was like, dude, what are you talking about? Who You count? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing we'll be judged on. I said, no, I think he'll judge us on the fact and how you're doing it, bro. He just says share and leave it alone. So that's why I was okay with leaving it alone with Sister Monica. Because I look like this. It's a tag team effort. God, here's my part. You told me to go and share the gospel to the ends of the earth. I think in this moment I did my job well. I don't have to. You didn't say go and change the hearts of people. He didn't say go and transform them. He said go to the ends of the earth sharing this message. And then like a baton, hand it to me. How many of you like Relay? And I'm done here. The most important, if you follow track, thank you, Holy Ghost. The most important part, I just saw you in my mind because you're a track star. The most important part of the relay race is not, watch this, the starting block. That's a good part. The most important part of the relay is because you can come out the starting block fast. But the most important part of the relay race is the transition box. That's where winning or losing happens. You could lose the entire, you can come out the fastest from the block. But if you don't transition that baton to the next person smoothly within that box, you could, that costs you the race or you win the race. And what has happened with the church, whoo, thank you, Holy Ghost, is that we often miss it in the transition box. Either we're dropping the baton or we're handling outside of the box doing stuff we shouldn't be doing or we're never getting to the box not doing what God has called us to do. We often lose the relay race because we miss the transition in the transition box. So here's the seed. He's called us to be his hands and feet in this broken world. What does that look like to you? If somebody were to ask you today, where are all the real Christians? 
what would your response be? Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor V said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.